to such a degree that somebody like Imam Ghazali rahimahullah says that humans are so, uh, he doesn't say it in these exact words, uh, what he's trying to say is that humans copy each other su- in such a way that whether you like it or not, you will pick up things from others and actions and practices and behaviors from others even without realizing it. In fact, according to some, they say you will steal behavior from others without realizing it. You will take it on and assimilate it. That's why sometimes you've seen husband and wives who come from completely different families and cultures. They've been uh, together for a few years. They actually start sounding the same. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillahi wa salatu wa salamu ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa baraka wa sallam tasliman kathiran ila yawmiddin amma ba'd. So dear brothers and dear sisters, dear listeners, dear friends, nice to be in your this grand masjid of yours, the grand masjid of Wolverhampton. The first time I've come in here and it was, mashallah, a pleasant surprise. Mashallah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless this area, bless all the, our brothers and sisters here and the community here and allow the benefit of it to go far and wide. Sorry, the format, the, the format of today's uh, program is that the topic being such a complicated topic or such a wide-ranging topic and an extensive topic, it's very difficult to cover all of this in a short amount of time because bringing up children is not any easy feat. In fact, science, uh, scientists and uh, researchers have been trying to find the best way that is there a replicatable way that you can tell people that do it this way and it'll be you will have success in bringing up children. Is there such a way? And they say that there is no such a way. Uh, Islam gives us uh, particular boundaries and laws and rules and principles that we need to stay within. And that helps a lot. But there is so much culture that's going to be involved in this. There's going to be so much individual ideas and strategies and other variables that are included in this. So uh, clearly we can't speak about all of those things in a short program like this. So the way we're going to do it is I'm going to look at the Quran first. I'm going to take some verses of the Quran and understand them first with regards to child upbringing. Uh, That's one. Then I've got a number of points that I've compiled that I'm going to share with you just to give us some thought. And inshallah, uh, many of us will find at least some of those points beneficial and useful. And then whatever's playing in your mind, whatever has been a point of concern for you, then inshallah we'll have an opportunity to discuss that. So... Um, with that, asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for barakah in our time, uh, we, we begin this, uh, this evening, uh, this, uh, this, this night, mashallah, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we ask Him for help. So, the first and foremost, uh, the verse that Maulana already read uh, before we started, which is, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا قُوْ أَنفُسَكُمْ وَأَهْلِيكُمْ نَارًا O people who believe, protect yourselves. Protect yourselves and your families from the hellfire. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala goes on to explain that. But the main thing is that Allah is, this is an order of the Quran, that if you are a person with a family, your job, my job, everybody's job is to protect our, our families. 
right? That's our job. Now, how do we do that? So now there are a number of different points of guidance that are found in the Quran and Sunnah. You see, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam only had uh, the Prophet sallallahu had sons and daughters, but all of his sons died at a young age. So we have no example from the Prophet sallallahu of how he did tarbiyah of his sons from a young age to an older age. We have that. We have some idea with his daughters, but we have a greater thing from the Prophet sallallahu is how he managed to nurture the whole community of. I don't know, 124,000 and more Sahaba. Right? So that's all of his spiritual sons. And he's left a lot of guidance behind for us. And we could guarantee that if anybody fulfills the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ in up the upbringing of their children, they can be successful. That's for sure. So now let us see what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying. What happens is, what's interesting about this verse that I just read is that after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that you need to protect yourselves and your families from the fire, then what follows is interesting. Allah says that the fuel for that fire that I'm asking you people to protect yourselves from, the fuel of that fire are people and stones. And then Allah says, standing guard and protecting this fire and looking after it, in charge of this fire are malaikatun ghilaghun shidad. Very, very tough angels. They're very strict, they're very tough, very strong angels that are standing in guard. They don't disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in what He commands them to do. And they do exactly what they've been commanded. What I also take from here is that why is Allah telling us about the angels? What's that got to do with us? After Allah telling us that protect yourself from that fire, is number one to say that there can be no in the hereafter. If you are being sent to the fire, there's going to be nothing you can use there except the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because these angels, they don't do favors for anybody. They are under the command of Allah. The other thing it tells us is that they're not disobedient. They do exactly what Allah wants. And you should be like that as well. You should be strong on this. Because really, if you're not strong on this one issue, you have spoilt your future. Right? So what I want to start with is I want to say, is there, are there any grand, uh, is there a grandfather here? Is there anybody who's got grandchildren? Okay, mashallah, how many grandchildren do you have? You have three, right? Anybody else? So you have three grandchildren here, mashallah. Now they are your grandchildren. Yes. Nobody else's. They're not your brothers or sisters. They have their own maybe. These three are yours. And now we're going to be eventually gone from this world. Those three will multiply and there's no stopping them. And soon there'll be three, will become 10, will become 30 and they'll have children and so on. And then... In the hereafter, when we rise up, inshallah, on the Day of Judgment, there's this whole group of people. Who are they? They're all your grandchildren. Now, I don't know if anybody's ever thought about it like that, that you are the beginning of this major group of people that will come from you. Don't just think of yourself as some guy, some random guy who's going to have a few children. Because those children will continue and they will all ultimately 
be connected to you. And that's why when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows us du'as, or show, tells us du'as in the Quran, the du'as are, Rabbi, uh, there's two famous du'as, one is in uh, Surah Al-Furqan, رَبَّنَا هَبْ لَنَا مِنْ أَزْوَاجِنَا وَذُرِّيَّاتِنَا قُرَّةَ أَعْيُنْ وَجَعَلْنَا لِلْمُتَّقِينَ إِمَامًا Our Lord grant us from our spouses and our dhurriya. The word dhurriya refers to descendants, not just your immediates or your, your grandchildren. It refers to your descendants, everybody that is going to come from you until the day of judgment. You're making, Allah is teaching us to make dua for everybody. Similarly, Ibrahim Alisan, the other dua. رَبِّ جَعَلْنِي مُقِيمَ الصَّلَاةِ وَمِنْ ذُرِّيَّتِي رَبَّنَا وَتَقَبَّلْ دُعَاءِ Our Lord, make me an establisher of the prayer. وَمِنْ ذُرِّيَّتِي And from my descendants. The Quran is teaching us to make some really far-reaching dua, so why are you being stingy? We're not even thinking about how many of, like genuinely speaking, I want to make this a bit interactive, it is a bit of a late hour, right? How many of us have ever thought about great-great-grandchildren and a legacy that's going to get there? How many of us have ever thought beyond grandchildren? Anybody? You have. It's two, three people. You've actually thought about your great-great-grandchildren. What do you think? Like, what's the, what was the point that you were thinking about, if you don't mind sharing? MashaAllah, that's beautiful. If you don't think about that, and most people don't, I don't think so. Right? Because it's too far to think. Let me just think about my own children. And then if you have grandchildren, let me think about them. And then, okay, if you do have great-grandchildren, then I'll think about them. But why are you thinking about your great-grandchildren now? But yeah, if you are, then you're going to get it more right. Because you're focused on that. I can't make mistakes now. I need to set up the environment. And the culture in my family, such that inshallah will continue. And believe me, if you have that right thought with the assistance of Allah, it does carry on. You know, when you meet a lot of people, when you meet a lot of people, there's certain people who stand out for certain character traits, certain akhlaq, certain very dignified way of looking at things. And they don't have to be ulama. Like I've been on big hajj groups with four, five, six hundred people. Some people just stand out. They're not trying to stand out, they just stand out. And then you get speaking to them and you discover that they had some special shaykh, some special person in their family, whose tarbiyah can be seen, whose nurturing can be seen. So as I said, I've got a, I've got a friend who, who's a very influential person and he is setting up a waqf. A waqf means uh, an endowment that's going to help uh, different fi sabirillah uh, projects. And he wants that to continue after his life. So he has written up a whole deed. Not just to register it, but he's... Jazakallah khair. He's written up a whole deed of how it's going to run, who the beneficiaries are going to be, but also who's going to run it, which means his descendants he wants. He's, already, he's also compiled a book of uh, adhkar and awrad that any of his descendants who work in this must read these adhkar for their own protection and blessing and barakah. Look how far this guy is thinking. Then if we're thinking of that focus, then we will not be selfish. So it's not about us anymore. We're in this position where we have children. So we need to look after that. And we need to focus on it. So 
I'm so happy to hear that there are people who are thinking on that level. The word in use, uh, used in Arabic for, for bringing something up, uh, nurturing something, disciplining somebody, educating somebody, the, the, comp- the comprehensive term is tarbiyah. Tarbiyah is related to the word Rabb. Rabb. The reason why we call Allah Rabb is because He does our tarbiyah. And not just our tarbiyah, He does Rabbul Alameen. He's the, the tarbiyah of all the worlds, everything in existence. And what Rabb and tarbiyah means is uh, not just to create something and then let it uh, deal with it on its own devices, by its own devices, but it means to literally um, design something, create something, and then bring it up and look after it at every level of its existence until it goes. That's what you call Rabb, tarbiyah, is to look after something comprehensively from beginning to end. That's what tarbiyah means. So Allah is telling us to do tarbiyah. What exactly does tarbiyah include? Tarbiyah includes multiple things. Some ulama have argued that tarbiyah is such a comprehensive term, it's such a rich idea that it incorporates in it multiple worships or multiple good deeds. Tarbiyah is not one single good deed. Because if I want to nurture somebody and uh, to, if I want to, if I want to n- nourish and nurture someone as a parent or as a teacher, it's going to include a number of things. I invite them to Allah. So I'm doing da'wah. And you know the virtues of da'wah. The virtues of inviting people to the path of Allah. There's, Who better is there than the one who calls? You know, who better in statement is than the one who calls people to Allah? When you do tarbiyah of your children, you are calling them to Allah. They are your sadaqah jariyah. You're inviting them to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So tarbiyah includes da'wah. Right? Inviting somebody to Allah. Number two, you're educating them. You're going to teach them. The first madrasa of a child is usually the home. And especially the mother. They're in that privileged place. And the father. You teach them the first alif ba ta tha. The first la ilaha illallah. The first ayatul kursi. Kul a'udhu bi rabbil falak. Kul a'udhu bi rabbil nas. The first surahs. La ilaha. And the basic athkar and duas. Instead of waiting until they go to the madrasa. I want to be selfish. I want to teach them that. Rather than leave them, leave somebody else to teach them. They will, they will, mashallah, confirm it for me and they will teach them more. But I want to start that off. The first Allah that my child says better come from me. Because I want that privilege. Because that's ta'aleem. You call that ta'aleem. And these are the functions of the Prophet ﷺ. A da'i, a mu'allim, a ta'aleem, the person who teaches. Number three, uh, tarbiyah also includes nusr, which means advice. Right? Nasiha. Nasiha means pure advice, advice of goodwill. That's what it includes. When you give somebody advice, don't do that. You shouldn't do it this way. It's better if you do it this way. And then nasiha comes with all of its etiquette and adab. There's an art of nasiha, which should be done. So it's advice giving. Uh, The word nus is not just advice, it's actually a sincere approach to something where you have a goodwill towards somebody, you do it in a way that's sincere. And who, uh, parents can be very jealous of others, but they can't be jealous of their own children. I mean, if there's any parents who are jealous of their own children, they're really messed up. Right? You can't be jealous of your own, you know. That's your own flesh and blood usually. Although we do have in the modern world and in the, you know, we do have in the shaitani world, we definitely have parents and children, they compete with one another. SubhanAllah. Right, number number four, 
Another part of tarbiyah is action itself. Amal is doing the deed. Because a lot of our teaching as parents to our children is going to be that we do it and they follow. That is in fact the best way. I just listened to somebody who's done, who's supposed to be a very, uh, you know, very important thinker in terms of child upbringing, non-Muslim. They said, your child's upbringing starts with you sorting your own self out. Literally, her idea is that if the parents can sort themselves out, then your, your children uh, will be successful. So, the success of your children, our children lie in the success of us. Whatever you consider success, if it's success of this world and the hereafter in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if we're doing it right, our, parent, our children will follow. We have to make some big mistakes for our children to go elsewhere. Otherwise, if it being careful, considerate, and it has to be organic. Our teaching of our children should not be a range of commands and instructions. It should be more practice and they're following the emulation. You sit down for food and you want to teach them shukr of Allah. Thank Allah. You could say it that way. Instead of that, every time you enjoy your meal, which is multiple times, you know, a week, if not every day. So you know what? We have to thank Allah. Allah, we have to thank Allah. Look how much He's given us. If you're saying that, why would the children be ungrateful now? They would pick up the same thing. They'll start relating everything to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it's amal. And this leads on to the next point. Is tarbiyah is about being a qudwa. A qudwa means being the role model. I just said this, even according to non-Muslim experts, the parents, they sort themselves out, they become the exemplars, the examples, the role models, the children will follow. Right? Allah has programmed human beings to learn more through copying and emulation right, than through instruction. It's so much easier for human beings to see somebody doing something and they do that. To such a degree that somebody like Imam Ghazali rahimahullah says that humans are so, uh, he doesn't say it in these exact words, uh, what he's trying to say is that humans copy each other su- in such a way that whether you like it or not, you will pick up things from others and actions and practices and behaviors from others even without realizing it. In fact, according to some, they say you will steal behavior from others without realizing it. You will take it on and assimilate it. That's why sometimes you've seen husband and wives who come from completely different families and cultures, they've been uh, together for a few years, they actually start sounding the same. right? Because we take from one another. This is just the human condition. Humans learn from one another. That's why, why can't our children learn from good parents? You want your children to be good? I, I get questions from parents saying, my child lies a lot. So my, what should I do? I said, well, my first question is that, how do you learn to lie? Who's he looking at? Where's he learning this from? Do you, if somebody comes to your door and asks you and you don't want to be known, you tell your child, just say, I'm not here. Do you do that? Right? Have you lied on the phone with somebody? Have you lied about things that it's blatant lying, everybody knows that you think it's okay in-house? You understand what I'm saying? They just learn to do it. Should children learn to do it? They're qudwa. That's what you call qudwa in Arabic, which means role modeling. Very, very important. 
Subhanallah. I've seen many, many families, right? Many, many families where I know the parents and they're, they're, they're mashallah, they're on the sunnah, right? They're, they're, they're really calm, uh, calculated individuals with a piety. And their children are usually just like that. Of course, there's genetics as well, right? But this is even beyond genetics. Sorry for the children. I mean, uh, I don't understand why children are in a, a bringing up children talk. So it makes my job harder. I have this all the time, by the way, so it's okay. Alhamdulillah. I hope you understand. Don't worry, you'll get a chance to ask any questions that... And if there's something I don't want you to understand, I'll tell you. But until now, it's been simple, right? Yeah, what's your name? Muhammad. If you don't understand something, just put your hand up. Okay? It's very difficult talking to grandfathers and children and everybody in between at the same time. And then, you know, not ignoring somebody. I hate to ignore the crowd, right? So, so you got that so far? Right, the next point that tarbiyah in includes, subhanAllah, is such a rich idea, right? And the amount of reward you'll get just by bringing your own children up, subhanAllah. By doing tarbiyah, you're not just benefiting your child. Your child is going to go out in the world. Your children will go out in the world. Forget going out in the world, they'll have their own children. We just spoke about that idea. You are setting them up, mashallah, to change the community. If we develop good children, they're going to benefit the community. All of that benefit comes back to you as a reward. It's a huge investment. But we'd rather make more money and have more time at work and let the iPad bring up our children. The iPad is the cheapest babysitter. I know it costs about three, four hundred pounds, but once you have it, they, they, the, the iPad never gets tired, by the way. Especially if you have plugged in, then the battery doesn't even die. And the child will be on there, mashallah. It's amazing. In fact, uh, iPad is so good, it can even babysit adults. Do you know that? The iPad can also babysit adults. Even adults, when they're on there, they can be on there for hours. No problem. Forget children. That's how powerful it is. Right? The guy who created it was from a Muslim family. Steve Jobs was from a Syrian immigrant, but he lost his faith. Because his father didn't do his tarbiya properly. Or whatever happened, God knows. But he's created a, mashallah, babysitter that's amazing, the iPad. It's cheaper than any other babysitter. So, yeah, it's not only al-fardi wal-mujtama. This is such a rich idea that when, we, when we're going to produce good children, they're going to go out in the world and change the world. So on this, what I'm going to tell you is that you want to make your children doctors, engineers, or whatever excites you, whatever you think is going to validate you, and, you know, make you, give you the fame that you need, right? That's a big thing for a lot of people. And poor children, if they don't become doctors, I feel sorry for that parent. It's like, you know, I didn't do anything in this life. You know, I've, I'm a failure, right? So don't have those kind of crazy ideas. I'm not saying don't make your children doctors and engineers or whatever you want to make them. But don't be so tunnel visioned. You know what to say to them? What was your name again? Yeah, Muhammad. What's your name? You wanna you wanna get up, you know when you you know when you grow older, when you become an adult, you're gonna change the world. Do you know that? You're gonna benefit a lot of people. Right? You're gonna bring happiness and you're gonna be bringing a lot of good stuff to the people. That's what you really wanna do. That should be your goal. Do you understand? That when you grow up, you're going to be somebody that's going to make a big difference to the world and bring happiness to a lot of people. And 
you're going to be a very helpful and emphatic individual who is going to, mashallah, change the world for the better in any way you can. And within that, you can be a doctor. So your ultimate goal is to change and positively contribute. And you can do that through being a doctor or an engineer or an architect or whatever you want to be or a, a big businessman. No problem. But not just be a businessman. Not just be a doctor. But be that. That's your purpose and you're going to do it through this. Just raise the standards. That's how you get naf'un lil fardi wal mujtama. Subhanallah. How can tarbiya not be one of the most superior forms of actions? Right? It was the activity given to the prophets. What was the main job of our Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa The overarching term is tarbiya. The ta'aleem comes in there, the tazkiyah, all of the things. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, هُوَ الَّذِي بَعَثَ فِي الْأُمِّيِّينَ رَسُولًا مِّنْهُمْ He's the one who sent among these unlettered people, meaning uh, the, the society in Mecca did not know how to read or write. Because they did not really have schools like that to teach read and writing. They used to just memorize stuff. They had a better memories than us, at least more practiced memories. They used to just remember stuff. They used to memorize things. So they didn't really send children to school in those days. So that's why it was an unlettered community like that, right? So among them, Allah says that he sent a messenger to them, yatlu alayhim ayatihi, who would then recite the verses to them, tell them the verses that came from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, wa yuzakihim, and he would purify them and nurture them and discipline them, wa yu'allimuhumul kitaba wal hikmah, and he would teach them the book and wisdom. All of that, the overarching term for all of that is tarbiyah. So he's saying, how can tarbiyah be Cannot, how can tarbiyah not be the highest form of activity when that is essentially what the prophets were sent to do? So they sent on a macro level to do this for the whole community. Our job is to at least do it with our children. Now, why should we do this and what will we get out of doing this? What is some of the incentives? Human beings have been naturally made to this way that if their children become beautiful individuals, they feel beautiful. Most parents are like that, right? Yes, if somebody is a criminal and for them, if their children become good criminals, meaning bad criminals, uh, or as you guys would say, sick criminals, right? Sick gangsters, and they're truly sick, right? In the literal sense of it, right? If I'm confusing you, I apologize, right? Um, they would want their children to be gangsters as well. Because they co-opt them into the business, right? But the, the overwhelming majority of the world, they want their children to be a source of adornment for them. That's their decoration. That's their beautification. That if somebody's children are wonderful, look, what, look how happy they get, right? Our brother there, he read the Quran. His parents must be over the moon that my child gets to read the Quran. I want my, uh, somebody else is going to say, I want my child to do that. Right. Why Allah tells us in Surah Al-Kahf, Your wealth and your children are your adornments of the world. How else do you make yourself beautiful? You need money. And children are not necessarily money. But that's the other asset that you have to beautify yourself. Unfortunately, a lot of people focus on the 
mal. So they have children, but they work more on their wealth to to improve that and to enhance that and to increase that rather than having beautiful children. We need to do both. We can have both, but never can the children be sacrificed. Uh, the Allah is just mentioning that usually these two things are used as your beautification. Your wealth is used as your... That's how you can show what car you have. That's what you can show that you eat well, that you dress well, and your children. Subhanallah. Now what does Allah, what else does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tell us in the Quran about parenting? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says... Uh, وَأْمُرْ أَهْلَكَ بِالصَّلَاةِ وَاسْطَبِرْ عَلَيْهَا لَا نَسْأَلُكَ رِزْقًا نَحْنُ نَرْزُقُكَ وَالْعَاقِبَةُ لِلتَّقْوَى Command your family. So whoever's in charge, the father's in charge. And if the mother feels she's in charge, Bismillah, this is a command for you, why not? Uh, you you want to wear the boots in the house or the trousers in the house or however they say it? No problem. Everybody consider it their responsibility. The older son, he has some understanding. He's at that age. He wants to be responsible. This is your responsibility as well. So Allah is saying, command, command your family to do prayer, to observe the salat. Allah tells us that in the Quran. Command your salat. Now, you can't, uh, I, I, we, when I was in America as an imam there, we, had, uh, we were teaching children. So from a certain community, they put their children into the madrasa. They're very secular Shia, very secular Shia, but they were concerned about their children. Now, we're teaching the children uh, Salat and what breaks Salat and importance of Salat and fasting and all of that. And the, the mother's coming and saying, teach them about Payambar, teach them stories of the prophets. Now, that's already taught, but that was for the younger children who had already done that, and her ch- children came in later. Actually, what was going on, which was really s- sad, and they pulled the children out afterwards, is that we were teaching the importance of salat. The children are going home and wanting to pray, and they're asking their parents why they don't pray. So they wanted to basically teach them an Islam of just feel-good history, but no practice. But in the Quran, Allah is saying, command your children to pray. And make sure you're steadfast and you persevere over it because it can be difficult sometimes. For example, Allah knew that in England, we're going to have our timing of salat, you know, from 4 o'clock in the morning, Fajr or 1.30 at night, or whichever opinion you follow, to, you know, up to 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning. Your maghrib is going to go from 4 o'clock in uh, in the winter to 9.30 at night. Subhanallah, you better be patient and persevere because that is a secret in doing that. So, what's your name again? Bin Yamin, why do you pray? Why should we pray? What's your name? Yeah, yeah, you. you're special. Musa, you're Musa, mashallah. So Musa, do you have a kala? An auntie. Does she give you a lot of stuff? Right? Everybody has an auntie like that. I mean, if he didn't have one, I'd feel sorry for him. Right? Everybody, you have an auntie like that as well, right? Everybody does. Allah bless these aunties we have. Right? So, if you go to a house next time, right? 
and uh, you, she, she's expecting you to greet her and to hug her and everything like that. But instead of that, you completely ignore her. And you go to your cousin's room and you just start playing on the computer. Would she be happy with you? Would she like to give you anything afterwards? But isn't it bad and disrespectful and ungrateful to do that to her? So as our, what's your name? As Ibrahim said, that Allah has created us, He's given us all of these great things and so on. So He just wants us, when we pray to Him, we're thanking Him. So we pray to Allah to thank Him. That's why we pray now. See why it's important? Right? Because if we don't, we're just ungrateful. He gave us all of this and we're just using it for free and not even thanking Him. That's the way Allah wants us to thank Him. Right? So, Salat can be tough sometimes, but what Allah has given us is very valuable. So, wastabir alayha, you make sure you're regular on it. When our children see our being regular on it, we're traveling somewhere, we stop to read in one of the service stations, even if it's raining. They're going to see, wow, that's important, must be important. We just have to show them through that and they'll pick it up, inshallah. Allah says, look, we're not asking you to provide us any kind of provisions and sustenance. Our job is to provide you. We'll do that. We take care of you. You just do your worship. We'll keep giving you your food and everything that you need. You just make sure that you pray. But no, people will miss their prayer to uh, do some extra business. To take that, if you're an Uber driver, to take that additional ride. Because it's a long ride. I'm going to miss my maghrib in there, but you know what? I don't get these Birmingham rides all the time, right? I've made my money in that one hour, you know? Allah protect us. And remember, the, the, the bright ending, the wonderful ending is if you're conscious of Allah, that's going to be your best ending. That's going to be your best ending. So that's, that's what we've been uh, told to do. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that dua I mentioned earlier. So uh, this is a dua for parents. And Allah is saying that the righteous people, the righteous slaves of Allah, they actually make this dua regularly. So if somebody has been doing this dua, now remember in Islam, we don't believe in empty duas. Duas are not magic. Dua is a worship. And Allah says, Allah doesn't change the condition of a people until they make an effort, in other words. So you can't just be doing dua. Right? There's a lot of people I hear from them that they're having a tough life. Right? Oh, I've been doing this dua, that dua. You know what? You've made a lot of bad choices in life. That's why you, got, that's why you are where you are. Dua itself is not enough. Dua is a wasila. Dua is essentially a means, an additional means to the action that you do. When Yusuf got stuck in that room with Zulaikha, was that her name? Right? Zulaikha. He didn't just stand there knowing that the doors are locked. Where do I go? Let me just stand here. I, got, I can't do anything. Let me just pray to Allah. No, he ran to the door, even though he knew the door was locked. And subhanAllah, Allah had it open to him. We have to make an effort. Then Allah gives you. You may suffer, but then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you. So making an effort is very, very important. So Allah says that those who say uh, that our Lord gr grant us from our spouses and our descendants, those who will be the gladness of our eyes. 
not just in this world, but inshallah, when you rise on the day of judgment and you'll see those hundreds of people, they will all be your descendants and they'll, they, they would have done some good deeds and you'll go inshallah into paradise and there'll be the gladness of your eyes and make us the imams of the righteous ones. And make us, make us imams, make us leaders. You know, say imam of the masjid. Make us leaders of righteous ones. And as a parent, I lead my household. As a mother and father, I lead my household. So make them righteous and make me the imam of them. So we're literally saying, oh Allah, make my children righteous. Make my family righteous and make me the imam of them. The imam better be righteous as well. Beautiful the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this. Thereafter, just uh, uh, there's uh, some other advices that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives for children in the words of Luqman alayhi salam. Luqman, right? The Hakim, the wise one, the sage. So Allah refer in chapter 31, uh, in Surah Luqman, verse 13. So I'll just quickly go through this to get the advices from this. The first thing Allah says that remember when Luqman uh, said to his son, Sayyidina Luqman said to his son while he was advising him. So I just mentioned that uh, tarbiyah is, includes advice. My son, my beloved son, la tushrik billah, don't make any partners with Allah. So, because making a partner with Allah is a huge oppression, of a big wrong that is, because Allah gave you, created you, and now you're saying there's somebody else like Allah. That's worthy of your worship. That's completely wrong, right? Now, you think his son was going to do shirk? I think why we were being told this is that it's your job to protect your children from deviating. They better be pure monotheists, pure worshippers of the oneness, uh, uh, worshippers of Allah and believers in the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And today there are so many things to distract us and to take children away into atheism and agnosticism and and uh, rejection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so this is a job for us that we better be focused on this uh, number two Allah says in, surah, uh, in verse 14 now this one is about children is this is actually telling children that you better respect your parents and you better obey them and you better be nice to your parents because your parents have suffered a lot for you especially your mother right your mother bore him weakness upon weakness. She went through so many difficulties when we were that small embryo in the stomach. And then after that, she fed us and nursed us for two years. And then Allah says, I want you to give thanks to them and to me. Give thanks to Allah, but give thanks to you. Because you know our parents, they are the second in command after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We owe our creation to Allah. And then who's the second group of people we owe our coming into this world? Our parents, because we come through our parents, right? If we didn't have our parents, we wouldn't be in this world. Then after that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Now if your parents, though we're making them really important, if your parents, if they strive to make you ascribe a partner to me, of which you have no knowledge, then obey them not. You can't put your parents above me. I have to come first. Consult with them in the world in a kindly manner though. Even if they're non-Muslim, you still have to be nice to them. right? And follow the way of those who turn in repentance unto me, 
then unto me you will return and I shall inform you of that which you used to do. Which basically tells us that Allah is watching everything and he's recording everything. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says it, uh, uh, goes back to Luqman alayhi salam saying, Ya bunayya innaha intaku mithqala habbatin min khardal, fatakun fi sakhra, aw fi samawat, aw fi al-ard, yati biha Allah, inna Allah latifan khabir. How powerful and how knowledgeable is Allah? Allah says, uh, Luqman, uh, Sayyidina Luqman alayhi salam said, Oh my son, if it was even the weight of a mustard seed, and it was in a rock, right, in the heavens or on the earth, Allah can bring it forward. Meaning, if you try to hide something, even as small as a mustard seed, in the middle of a rock, either on the moon or on Mars or wherever, Allah can still bring it to you. That's how much He knows everything. Have you guys, uh, you know, in your garden, sometimes you pick up a rock and there's a little centipede down there. Have you ever seen one of those little creepy crawlies? Do you know that, did you know it was there before you picked up that stone? Right, no, right? Do you know that, uh, how many of those do you think exist in the world? Those little, those little ones. How many do you think exist in the world? Right? I mean a billion, I mean probably billions, right? Do you know that Allah can hear every single one of them at one time? He can hear all of them at one time. He knows where each one is. We didn't even know the one that was in our back garden. That's what he's trying to say, that that's how much Allah knows. So you can never escape Allah. That's why I don't try to think that Allah is not watching me. Develop a love with Allah so that you always do what he wants us to do. Right? That's essentially what this is saying to us. And then again, Luqman, Sayyidina Luqman says, Ya Bunayya aqimi salata wa'mur bil'urf ma'roof. My son, establish the prayer. And wa'mur bil ma'roof, enjoin right and forbid wrong. anil munkar. Whenever you're in your class, whenever you are anywhere, and again, we have to teach our children to be principled individuals. What this is saying is that teach your children principles. How will our children go out when they grow up? and be able to make a difference in this world if they are principled individuals. If they are no principles and they've been brought up by social media, whatever goes, then they'll be manipulated in this world. The, the major capitalist firms and governments don't like people with principles because you can't sway them. You can't manipulate them. You can't get them to take on the next product or buy the next, or take up the next trend, or just agree with the next law. They, these are people of principle. They don't mess around. They know what they stand for. We need to be people of principle. And this is something that is being lost. Because we live in an individualism time. You know, before, um, if you were from a certain village, that whole village, that whole area had the same principles. Everybody thought alike. So if your son or your daughter was found in another, uh, uh, you know, in, uh, in another street, you'd be, you'd be fine because everybody had the same principles. They would probably tell them off in the same way as you. Everybody was a parent to the community, right? Everybody was a father to everybody, everybody else's children. Now you find it difficult to find parents and children think alike. There's so many battles going on in families where they want their children to marry a certain person of their, you know, liking and there's just, they don't see eye to eye. You didn't do tarbiyah properly. You didn't come down to their level. You didn't bring them up to your level. There was no common theme. And now when, it come, when they're 25 years old, you want them to marry somebody that you want? 
Whereas you never thought about it before. Right? Where you didn't understand what they want and they, you didn't get them to understand what you want and then you met somewhere in between. You just bring it up now and then you say, you better obey otherwise you know, you're disobeying Islam and you make it an Islamic thing. Right? You mess up your children that way. They come up with traumas that way. We need to, so for example, if a child is out there, his parents aren't there, and he's been given a choice to do something good or bad, what should they be thinking? If we've trained them well enough, they're not just going to think about their own selfish motives. They're going to think about their family, that I represent my family. Because we've told them that you are a Khan, you can't do that. You're a Mangera, you can't do that. You're a Muslim, we don't do this thing. Suddenly they're thinking, Muslims can't do this. Not just, I can't do this. No, no, I can. Because their own caprice takes them over. But if you have to worry about everybody, that you're a member of this bigger idea, then you're a lot more careful. And that's what it used to be before, but we've lost that now. Everybody's individual. They can do what they want. They don't care. Girls are asking, like, why are we, uh, you know, why, why, why do our parents are so strict on us about where we go and how we dress? It's about honor, ya, ya ukhti. It's about honor. But we've never taught them that honor and bring, you know, brought it together in the proper way. So, perform the prayer, enjoin right and forbid wrong, and bear patiently whatever may befall you. You have to have sabr. We have to teach our children resilience. That's what he's teaching him. No, we don't teach him any resilience. We mollycoddle them. We'll buy white bread, bleached white bread, cut off the edges, and then feed them the white parts. Because, you know, the edges, they might hurt your throat. We don't teach them any kind of strength and resilience. I'm not saying everybody does that. Right? But it's very important for us to teach them resilience that this world is full of difficulties. Let them deal with it. You know, in a controlled environment, let them deal with difficulties. Difficulties make you stronger. Challenges make you much more fortified in the way you deal with things. And subhanAllah, just because the law says that you become adult when you're 18, we don't even think of our children as adults, even though they become baligh. And in other countries, you've got 12, 13 year olds who are looking after their father's business. And this guy who's 18, 20, he's going to, mashallah, destroy your business. He's going to do parties with his friends. You put him in your shop one day, mashallah, you, he's going to mess it up. Because we've just lowered this esteem, this idea. Right? Maturity levels are getting, you know, that's why I tell, I, tell, uh, children, I, I tell parents that yes, we are sometimes much more stricter on our daughters than sons and we let our daughters, uh, uh, sorry, our sons get away with a lot more. And that's why a lot of women, a lot of girls are actually feeling really upset about this. There was a case recently, just a few weeks ago, somebody, he was called to talk to somebody's daughter because she is thinking of converting to a boy. It's like, why do you want to do that? He said, because my brothers get treated much better than I do. This is what you're doing. This is what people are doing to, to, to create these kind of ideas. We have our 17, 18 year olds, a guest will come at the door, he doesn't know how to talk to the guest. It's like, oh, well, oh there's no here. It's like, yes, uncle, salamu alaikum, how are you? You know, sorry, my dad isn't here, but can I do something? Can I give him a message? Would you like to come in? Is there anything I can help you with? Not taught any of that. They don't know how to tighten a screw. Right? 
how to put in a plug, how to pay a bill. They're just on their fortnights. They're just playing. That's what they do. No life skills. So, was, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, that wasbir ala ma asabak. When you have difficulties, deal with them. Inna dhalika min azmil umur. This is indeed a course worthy of resolve. This is, this is how we teach them resolve. They become. And then finally, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says two more things. Wala tusa'ir khaddaka lil nasi wala tamshi fil ardi maraha. Inna Allah la yuhibbu kulla mukhtalin fakhur. And turn not your cheek at men in scorn. Which means that don't be one of those who disdain people, who look badly towards people and look down upon people and think you're better than everybody else. Don't be arrogant. Don't be a show-off. Even though you've got good clothes or whatever you have. right? Nor walk exultantly upon the earth. Now that might be a difficult word for some of our children to follow. But don't walk showing off and proud and arrogant as though you own the world when you walk. Have you seen some of these... Uh, guys who walk and they think they're they're it. You know, don't walk like that. Be humble. Because that earth is going to speak up on the day of judgment. And say that this guy walked on me arrogantly. And we're going to get in trouble. We don't want to do that. right? Because Allah does not like the vain glorious boaster. He doesn't like people who boast like that. And then uh, Allah says, وَقْسِدْ فِي مَشِّكْ Be moderate in your pace. Walk calmly. وَغْدُدْ مِنْ سَوْتِكْ and lower your voice. Don't go around shouting around. Essentially teaching us to teach our children that to be decent civil citizens, decent individuals. And lower your voice. Truly the most ugliest of voices are those of asses. Don't sound like a, like a donkey basically. Don't make bad sounds. So there you go. This is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us. This is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us. Right, I'm going to just finish off and then open it up to questions. If you have any simple thing is this. We can't push it, this on our children. They have to see that as an environment and then they will take this on. So I'll just give you two quick examples about this. Um, while we were teaching, I used to teach the older boys in this particular masjid in another country. And my wife used to teach the younger boys up to the age of 10 or something. So suddenly we had two new children who were Muslim, Muslim family, Arab Muslim family, probably seven and eight years old. They'd never gone to madrasa before. So now, mashallah, they came to the classes. And my wife, on that day or the next day, she was talking about Allah, describing Allah. Allah is the greatest. He is the greatest. He is the most powerful. He can do anything that He wants. Nobody can stand in front of Him. He can beat anybody. Suddenly, you know what one of those child say, uh, said? He said, Power Rangers. He thought that this description is about Power Rangers. Why did he think that? Why do you think he think, thought that? Because in his mind, the only people or entities that he thought could do all of this were Power Rangers, were the strongest people he knew. He didn't know about Allah. Even though he's from a Muslim family. Would you say that? That Power Rangers are stronger than everybody else? Incredible Hulk. No? Okay, another kid who's half their age, four, three, four years old. They went to the ocean once. And he saw, have you been to the ocean? It's a huge amount of water with the waves coming in. Massive. Awesome, mighty. 
Nobody asked him anything. He just suddenly says, Allah created this. Why did he say that? Because he's been taught from a young age about the might of Allah. He's recognized Allah. So when he saw this, he must have no human can create this. Only Allah can create this. Can you see what tarbiyah does? Give you one more example, right? There's a seven or eight year, seven or eight year old girl. Her brother is two years older. A few years older, he had to go to the optician. And the optician said that you need glasses. Said he needs glasses, right? So when he came home, the sister younger than him started making fun of him. You're going to wear glasses. So the mother said to the younger sister that don't make fun of him because your dad has glasses, your mom has glasses, your older brother has glasses now. You're going to need glasses as well because he probably runs in the family. Right? So that's it. Then no more was said. Ten years later, she's 18 now. And then she tells everybody, because she has younger brothers or sisters, that, and who have glasses as well, or who need glasses, but she doesn't need. So the whole family now needs glasses except her. Why not? Why doesn't she have glasses? Everybody else has glasses, older and younger. She told everybody 10 years later that, you know, mom, when you said that you're going to have to have glasses as well, I started praying to Allah, making dua to Allah. Ya Allah, I don't want glasses. I don't want glasses. And she never got glasses. Now the question I want to ask you is that who taught her to make dua? Who taught her to think, okay, who can help me with this? Who can stop me from having glasses? Must be Allah. Let me ask you. How did she get to that level? Because clearly there's been stories of the prophets that have been mentioned. Stories of the Sahaba, how Allah has come to their assistance when you asked him. So that's what she used. Maybe the mother at this point should have sort of prayed to Allah. He didn't. But because they'd mentioned it before, it worked. So that's why I'm saying that if you want to have good children, we need to be the, uh, we need to have this instilled, not as instruction, but emulation by copying, by showcasing. And inshallah, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make it easy. That's all I'm going to say today. And we'll open it up to you for any questions that you have. Uh, looking after a daughter that's going to go to a school where there's fitna, then just go with her and sit with her in the class. That's the only way to save her. No, no, no. So you can't do that, obviously. So these are not easy questions. This is a big challenge for a lot of us. So look, one thing is that if we've done tarbiyah properly of our children from a young age, they know their boundaries, they have principles, and then we continue the support. So uh, what I would tell parents is that if that's the only place you can send them, right, is that you have to reiterate and warn and prepare. So as a parent, we have to have mentioned, look, there will be people who will come to you. So I would tell the girl that, look, you know, you're 12 years old, maybe you've been to an Islamic school until now, now you're going to a secondary big school, there's no other option, maybe, you know, whatever it is, right? Some people find themselves in that. There's going to be guys who will come and they'll smile at you and say that, hey, you look really pretty. How, how are you, how, what would you say? Because imagine a young girl, right, and everybody's taking pictures. We're living in a generation that nobody's ever t taken so much pictures of themselves, and looked at what they look like several times a day in our whole entire human history. 
But we do that today through your phone. Because you've got a mirror on there, meaning a camera. You don't just look at yourself. You actually take, there's people who take several pictures a day of themselves. Just so that it's, uh, you know, they, they, they'll remember what they look like at every minute of the day. Right? Just crazy. And then they, <laughs> it's just absolutely vain, vain vanity that's just crazy, right? Um, so that's the first thing. Pre-warn of issues. And then after that, you have to, uh, you know, every day, every few days, you discuss what's going on in school. What are the challenges? The way I would say is, um, do you have girls in your class that have boyfriends? I wouldn't say do you, you know, like, do you have? Now let's see how they respond to that. And then you have to help in that regard. Find out who their, uh, who their friends are. I believe you need to send them to the best school. The best schools don't have time to mess around. Even non-Muslim schools, if you don't have access to a good Muslim school, a non-Muslim solid school, they don't give them time to mess around. The best schools are those that don't allow mobile phones. Right? That give a lot of homework. They, those places usually don't have time for other things. The children don't have time to waste. And everybody's there serious. You understand? So there's a lot of these factors and a lot of du'a. A lot of du'a, but constant watchfulness of what's going on and earlier intervention than later. Once something develops after it gets more difficult. And then the phone is going to be the biggest fitna in that. I wish I could give a more comprehensive answer, but I'm just giving you ideas that it needs to be ever watchfulness. And see if you can get together with other parents who are in the same class, you know, of parents of girls in the same class. And we have to do this with our boys as well. It's just not about girls that, you know, we, we waste the boys. But it's about both, right? So that, that's very important. You know, the most difficult children are the closed books, which means they don't reveal anything. They're, they're doing stuff in their own mind and they just don't reveal anything. Then uh, what I, my experience is that it's too late by the time the problem comes about. So you have to be even more careful about that. And if you can't get through to your son or daughter because they're just closed books, and go find a friend of theirs who might be able to talk to them. Find an, one of their aunties that they may... Uh, because sometimes there's a wall that is created between parent and child. So find an uncle or an aunt or an older cousin or sister or somebody that can speak to them and find out what's their... You know, are you being too strict? One of the biggest challenges is that sometimes you in your entire family may be the only one who is practicing. They go to their cousin's house, their cousins are allowed to do whatever they want. That is the most difficult one. Because you can't cut off from your cousins either. How do you give the fortitude and the strength and the confidence for your, our own children in that to stay with their parents? Because most people aren't leaders. They just follow us. That makes it even more difficult. I don't have the answers. I wish I had the answers to all of these things. But at least we can focus on this. So you, you have to be with your relatives, but you just minimize that. You, you still be with your relatives. You don't want to cut away from And then you try to influence. You try to have them come to your house instead. Be very careful with teenagers going to their relatives. They say that the first encounters they have, haram encounters, is usually with cousins. That's what they say. Sleepovers. Very, very dangerous. Sleepovers are very dangerous. Unless you know that the parents ever watchful. This is where most of the, the haram begins. This is study that shows that. Muslims and non-Muslims. Yes. 
Are you talking about mobile phones or friendships? A bit of both in terms of obviously people. Friends on mobile. As well, yeah. yeah. Firstly, you need to try to delay the mobile phone as far as possible. The longer you can wait comfortably without it going, you know, completely messed up, that's the best. So we, in some cases, you won't be able to avoid it. Like, uh, for example, if there is a a child who all of their friends have phones and she doesn't or he doesn't, that's going to be tough. So then sometimes you just have to give them boundaries, parental controls, and say, okay, you can have the phone, but I need to be able to check it whenever. So you have to be aware of what their, who their friends are on the phone especially. And you have to curate it, right, to the best of your ability. The longer you can keep it, the better though. I've seen kids who used to read books, as soon as they get a phone, they don't read any books anymore because the phone just keeps you busy. I wish I had a, you know, a magic pill there. I just don't. It's just one of, and everybody's suffering with this. Yes. Not going to force you. Molana has stood up as well. The food is probably waiting. Allahumma antis salam wa minkas salam tabarak ya jalali wa ikram. Allahumma ya hiyu ya qayyum bi rahmatika nastaghith. Allahumma ya hannan ya manna la ilaha illa anta subhanaka inna kunna minal zalimin. Jazallahu anna muhammadan mahu ahluhu ya ghathar ya fattah ya sattar ya hafiz ya salam. Ya Latif, Ya Dal Jalali wa Ikram, Ya Allah, Ya Allah, Ya Allah, protect us all. Allah bless us all. We ask you for your special generosity and your mercy and your kindness. Oh Allah, your rahmah. Oh Allah, your forgiveness. Oh Allah, your protection and your cover, especially for our children and our descendants until the day of judgment, that you keep Islam stead- you keep Islam in their hearts, you keep them steadfast on the sunnah of your messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam O Allah that you protect us and grant us resilience and immunity from all of these challenges which are out there O Allah we are praying to you because you've told us to ask you O Allah we, you hear our cries and our pleas Oh Allah, we ask you on behalf of everyone here and all those who are listening that you protect us and the entire Muslim community. Oh Allah, you protect us from seeing a bad time, uh, especially with our children. Oh Allah, that you accept this coming here together, that you accept this uh, th- 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 this program. All of those who've made an effort to uh, to allow this program to happen, to organize it. Oh Allah, bless everybody. Oh Allah, bless everybody. Allow uh, this masjid to prosper and to go from strength to strength and to do uh, to do to accept all of the work that they do do and allow them to do even more and remove any obstacles from their path and oh allah oh allah protect them from all the evil which is out there and all of us oh allah all of our projects accept them and oh allah allow us to do that which is good that which is beneficial our brothers and sisters who are suffering in the different parts of it, especially in palestine in gaza oh allah grant them their freedom and oh allah grant them their dignity and their honor grant them their relief Oh Allah, those who died, accept them as martyrs. Those who are injured, oh Allah, grant them recovery. Oh Allah, grant them resilience and steadfastness. And oh Allah, allow us to do that which is practical, beneficial, functional and useful. And oh Allah, oh Allah, oh Allah, you have given us so much and we don't even thank you enough. You have given us... Uh, more than so many others in this world, the security you have given us, the safety you have given us, the access to the various different opportunities that you have given us. Oh Allah, do not allow us to squander this. 
of Allah, do not allow us to waste this. Do not allow us to fall into the mischief of money and the mischief of wealth. And of Allah, allow us to use whatever resources you have given us, not to become a burden against us, but of Allah, to be a true embellishment for us in this world and the hereafter. Of Allah, make our children a serious, a beautiful embellishment for us, both in this world and the hereafter. سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين. The point of a lecture is to encourage people to act, to get further, an inspiration, an encouragement, persuasion. The next step is to actually start learning seriously, to read books, to take on a subject of Islam, and to understand all the subjects of Islam at least at their basic level, so that we can become more aware of what our being wants from us. Uh, and that's why we started uh, Rayyan courses, so that uh, you can actually take organized lectures uh, on demand whenever you have free time, especially, for example, the Islamic Essentials uh, course that we have on there, the Islamic Essentials Certificate, which you take 20 short modules. And at the end of that, inshallah, you will have gotten the, the basics of uh, most of the most important topics in Islam, and you'll feel a lot more confident. You don't have to leave lectures behind. You can continue to leave, uh, you know, to listen to lectures, but you need to have this more sustained study as well. Jazakallah khairan. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa